Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick. Uh, Currently, we're looking at the stories of 1954. And in today's episode, I'll be taking a look at a story that's about, you know, the relations between parents and children. Uh, It's a theme that Dick takes up quite a lot. Um, In fact, we just saw a story not long ago that did a very similar type of thing in progeny um, which was a few episodes back which also dealt with the problematic relationship between children and parents in that case it was a parent coming to find his child to be indifferent to him due to his education and his upbringing and how he was raised in this story it's a much more dramatic realization that your father here's this it's the it's the young man finding out that his parents are not who he thought they were so it's a, it's a rather interesting story, and it's a theme he takes up a lot. I, I think a big, maybe in some ways unresolved issue in Philip K. Dick's uh, works is how does he see this relationship between parents and children? Because there are times where children appear menacing and powerful and, and incredibly threatening, like in Martian Time Slip, uh, like in Progeny, like in John's World, and some stories we haven't got to and several novels we haven't got to yet, the, the children seem to be a problematic for and a force of, of danger if not not evil at least a disruptive force but then we also have a lot of stories and novels that show kind of almost a, a generational war in which the elder generations are confining limiting and, and pressuring children and we see that in everything from project earth and especially in the novel crack in space so the father thing is an, a, an important story to look at to try to get at Dick's views on this on this issue, and I think his views on this were quite complex, and they often changed over time. As most of you probably know, Dick was a rather reflective writer in the sense that he often poured onto the page his own personal problems and, and grievances and the things that are going on in his own household. It ended up on the page in various ways, and ways that aren't always very flattering to his loved ones. So some of that might be going on here too. Um, but Here it is. So uh, we'll jump right into it. Father Thing is the name of the story. So Father Thing was first published in fantasy and science fiction in the December issue of 1954. And you can currently find it in the third volume of the collected stories of Philip K. Dick, the one titled Second Variety and other classic stories. And there's, of course, other editions of of all these, of the the five volumes of the collected stories. There's actually a new whole set that's quite good but um i have the the old citadel um, versions of these and, and that's what i think the most common place people will find it is in is in that that one i think it's been anthologized a few times as well so dick actually in one of the anthologies that collected it dick did give some editorial comments and they're reprinted uh in this edition in the notes section and here's what dick had to say about the story 
I always had the impression, when I was very small, that my father was two people, one good and one bad. The good father goes away and the bad father replaces him. I guess many kids have this feeling. What if it were so? This story is another instance of a normal feeling, which is in fact incorrect, somehow becoming correct, with the ad added misery that one cannot communicate it to the others. Fortunately, there are other kids to tell it to. Kids understand. They are wiser than adults. Hmm, I almost said wiser than humans. Okay, so that's a kind of interesting addition to give there. Like wiser than adults. Hmm, I almost said wiser than humans. You know, and, and this seems to lend credence to the idea that it's actually the adults who seem to move on and mature into a state that's 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 beyond humanity in a way, uh, whether it's through their institutions or the system they're in or whatever. And there's a lot of these psychopathic characters in, in Dick's novel, certainly, and, and they're not usually children. You know, there are children who are odd or with powers, but the true psychopathic characters tend to be tend to be adults. And of course, when you read the story, if, if you're a Stephen King reader, you're obviously going to be thinking about the novel It, which de also deals with this theme of this huge gap between childhood and adulthood. And um, certainly that's a novel I urge everyone to, to read if you, get, if you get the chance. Okay, so what happens in this story? Um, so our, our main character here is Charles, and she's being, he's being told by his mother June, June Wal Walton, and she's, he's, she's commanding her son to basically get her father from the garage for dinner, right? So we're reminded of a scene from The Builder in which you have a, a father who spends a little bit too much time in the garage working on various projects. Fearfully, Charles tells her that his father, Ted, is talking to himself. And she insists that Charles is worried about nothing. And this, you know, this is a, a common experience, I, I believe, where a one child sees something strange about a parent and doesn't know really how to communicate that to perhaps the other parent and is not taken seriously. I mean, that's the big problem is children not being taken seriously and their expressions and their views of the world and their opinions aren't taken seriously. They might be listened to, but they're often then tossed out or neglected. Charles tells her that he does not know which father he should tell since they both look alike. Now, this is a very strange statement which becomes clear later on what he's talking about but certainly the mother would be baffled to hear this kind of thing now Ted walks in without being called and praises his his work sharpening the pruning shears his work in the office and the beef stew placed before him so he, he's kind of happy and cheerful at this point Charles pulls away from his father and tells his mother that the quote other father came in and for a moment Ted his father looks alien to his family, but then he quickly goes back to laughing and joyously consuming the dinner. Charles flees to his room as soon as he can. Now, it's interesting that it's that he's too happy or he's too cheerful or he's too praising that identifies to Charles that this isn't his real father, that there's something odd going on here. And this is reminds us of a story that actually was published a little bit later, but had already been written by this point in Dick's career, I believe, and that's Human Is. Human is is about uh, an aloof and kind of boring and dull husband who gets replaced by an alien who's actually quite charming and energetic and loving. And the wife basically decides she'd rather have the alien than her husband back. 
Um, but Charles goes to his room. Ted follows, but before he can enter Charles' room, Charles flees through the window and escapes. And now we have it identified as the, quote, father thing. And he hides in the garage. In the garage, he finds a barrel full of dead leaves and old magazines. And deep in the barrel, Charles finds remains of his real father. The discarded bits of the, that the father thing did not need any longer. Now this Ted, now this father, it's the father thing, comes towards the garage and Charles again runs away, this time fleeing into the neighborhood. Charles seeks out help from an old neighborhood kid, Tony Peretti. Tony arms himself with a BB gun, you know, the, the standard weapon of 1950s children in, in suburban neighborhoods, and eventually accompanies Charlie's back to the Walton home. Looking inside the house, Tony does not believe there's anything odd. It looks like a perfectly normal house to him, but Charles then shows him the remains of his real father in the garage. Charles explains that he saw the two of them talking to each other, meaning the two parents, the, the Ted, the father, and the father thing, talking to each other. And the father thing must have eaten his father while, you know, when he went back inside. Now this Ted, the father thing, and June argue over Charles not coming home. And as soon as June leaves the room, the father thing slumps down limply like somebody just turned it off, almost like it's almost like a robot. And the boys want to locate what force is controlling the father thing and then seek out help from Daniels, another neighborhood kid. And this is a black kid uh, who's good at finding. Dick doesn't have that many African-American uh, characters in these 1950 stories, so it's, it's important to mention one. He does deal with race quite a lot and empire and colonialism and, and some issues of Jim Crow and the, the legacy of well, ongoing, actually, Jim Crow segregation in the South. But, you know, he he's more of a northern and western writer, so it's not really the focus. Um, and he doesn't have that many black characters, but here's one who just shows up kind of briefly. The three boys now search the neighborhood for an alien force that seems to be controlling this father thing. And they eventually find a large insect with a metallic plated body. They shoot it with the BB gun, hit it with the rake, but it's able to defend itself. And it has some kind of psychic attack that it's able to use to defend itself. Now, just as Charles is about to kill this thing with a close-up shot of his BB gun, Charles is grabbed by the father thing who takes him home for a spanking. The father thing begins leading Charles to the garage and informs his mother about the upcoming spanking, like the classic brutal abusive father saying, you know, time, to, you know, take your medicine. He tells Peretti to go home and reminds him of the restrictions against BB guns in his tome. And then Peretti shoots the father thing in the eye with the BB gun. The father thing snatches the gun from Peretti while Charles flees into the nearby small bamboo grove. Inside the grove, he finds a quote-unquote mother thing in the final stages of maturation. It's another smaller larva as well as, is there as well. And he also finds the used cocoon that must have held the father thing before it became a replica or simulacrum as his father. And also a nearby mature Charles thing. So just as the Charles thing was about to eat Charles at the orders of the father thing, they fall silent and still. Coming up the driveway are Parenti and Daniels. Daniels killed the bug by pouring kerosene in his tunnel. So this is this is why these creatures died. Killing the bugs killed the creatures. So we have a kind of a deus ex machina here, which is so common. It, you see it in the Avengers, of course, like the... Um, they blow up the mothership right in all the creatures die i mean it's that kind of moment at the end of the avengers where like the, the plot's sort of over but you have all these 
this army there so you just have them fall over dead when the mothership is destroyed i think they did that in independence day as well and that's sort of what happens here killing like the mother bug kills the things and so the good guys win the day even if it is a little bit of a deus ex machina so that's the story so it's um what to do with it? Well, there's actually not that much to analyze here, so I'm not going to take up too much more of your time in this episode. I, I just want to come right to it, and that's, I don't know if we should read the father thing literally in the sense that, I mean, we can, of course, the story, it's on, it's on text. I mean, you can just say, uh, it's just an alien invasion story, and it's prevented, and no big deal, body changer kind of thing, right? But, you know, that's not that, right? There's not much you can do with that, really. Because it is just a fairly typical invasion of the body snatchers type story, which other science fiction writers have done. And Dick, from his notes, we know that Dick was thinking deeper about the relationship between parents and children and how one's parents from day to day may seem like different people, right? And why might that be? Well, it might be addictions. It might be drugs and alcohol. It might be pressures at work. And it might just be, you know, the way kind of adult personalities sometimes are. They might get moody. They, they might have depression. They might have psychological or psychiatric problems that children don't fully understand. And the end result of this is, is that they do seem different. And the most terrifying thing is that the idea that perhaps the loving, caring father, the one who loved your mother, the one who tucked you in at night and read you stories was was the facade, was, was the image, and not the reality. What makes this story unique and powerful is its setting and the exploitation of a very real tension in suburban families. At the very least, it's a much more entertaining to read this as a commentary on the family, and we know this is something Dick was obsessed with. Uh, we have a series of stories about adultery and broken marriages, and we actually have stories as well about broken parental child relations like in john's world as in progeny to a degree in james p crow that's there as well and in those cases it was really the institution that broke up broke up those families um here it's something uh more about this kind of dual mindedness this the split personality of, of people the idea that your father is split into two different forms a father and a father thing must, I believe, not be a very uncommon sentiment. Children witness their parents in all sorts of stages. They, they see anger. They see fear. And how do children, and you know, I don't have memories of this kind of thing, so I can't really be a witness to it. I have plenty of memories of, of my parents, obviously, but you know, that, that first moment where you find weakness in your father, or that first moment you see your father cry or, or, or show or feel pain or, or show weakness. I mean, what is that? What does that do to a child? And, you know, is it, is it traumatic? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something that's, that I'm just kind of projecting and imagining was, is more serious than, than it was. But, you know, how does a child interpret anger and fear or violence and a loss of control and, and all these things? And next to, very real moments of courage, strength, kindness, and love, and all these things that, that kids also experience with, with their parents. So the father thing 
perhaps would have been a better story if Charles had not found the dead body of his father. Had there not been such an easy answer that came in the story, right? If if he hadn't found the dead body of his father, and he actually had to come to terms with the fact that there was sort of a dual personality father. And this way, I think human is is actually a more complex and rich story because it can't just be explained away so easily in human is because you know you, if you take away the if you go and i'll talk about human is shortly i think it's in the 1954 stories let me think it may be a little while it might be six weeks or five weeks before i get to it but you know in the anyways in that story it it's it's um what am i trying to say the 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 character that story could work without an alien invasion that's that's what i want to say it could just be someone changed their behavior people do that all the time right and often have changed their change their behavior in worse ways and in ways that make them less of a good husband or father but sometimes they can change for the better and and that's one way you could read human is as well and here it's just someone changing for the worst. And a child is in this horrible position of trying to understand it and explain it. Because um, this is probably close to how children actually do experience their parents, to some degree having dual personalities uh, or multiple personalities. Uh, and especially who, children who may not fully appreciate the complexity of, of adult human experiences and pressures and, and emotions may look on that things as, as a bit of, of a schizophrenia. So we can read the story as kind of an evening game among the neighborhood kids as well. And, and I kind of like that as well. Because we also have this nice moment of these kids getting together and going on an adventure together. And who hasn't done that as a child? right? Especially with the BB gun, right? And all this stuff about finding, you know, weird creatures and shooting with the BB gun. And if, if I want to say that maybe this story is all in Charles's imagination, I, I would do, I would really... So, you know, the, the idea that these kids could wound and injure people with a BB gun and almost kill this weird bug creature with a BB gun and then eventually burn it down with kerosene, it's all pretty preposterous, right? And it's done off screen. So this, you know, the pouring the kerosene in the tunnel and all that, that that's all done off screen. So who knows? Maybe it was all in the kid's imagination and this was all just play acting and, and kids talking and having fun. And again, what Dick says about this is he says, I've always had the impression when I was small that my father was two people, one good and one bad. And, and I think that's where we should go with this story. We shouldn't try to read it too literally. So I'm going to kind of go down here and saying that this is children, a child experiencing a real nature, coming to know something about his father's nature, that he has a violent side to him. And at the same time, but it's mostly just these kids kind of play acting and, and, you know, having fun, having an adventure after school or whatever. Now, the solidarity among the neighborhood boys is a touching aspect of the story for me. Charles and, and Peretti don't really have that much in common. Peretti is much older, six years older. And he seems bothered by Charles' request for help. But he, yet he jumps on the chance to break out his illegal BB gun and go on this adventure in town. And suburbs in Dick's time, and even in my time growing up, were playgrounds for children. I, I spent most afternoons and evenings, when it, was, when it wasn't winter, on these kind of elaborate adventures. And I still have memories of some of these. And some of my actually sharpest memories of my childhood are these make-believe adventures I went on in these suburban 
uh, neighborhoods where you had a lot of guards and undeveloped blocks, you know, and things like that that were kind of wooded. That was all. Those are all adventure sites for us. I don't know if the current generation is more domesticated by technology and has kind of lost some of that, um, but that's for someone else who studies that to, to, to talk about. Um, so I guess that does it for the father thing. Um, so, yeah, I think I just, what, what do we make of this? Do we take this literally or do we read it differently? And, and I'm going to say, let's, let's, let's read it a little bit more as a projection of Charles's fa uh, imagination and his coming to terms with, with the nature of his, his father. Then it's not, that, that's not always pretty and that the father's not always brave and heroic and, and kind. Um, Yet, at the end of the day, you can make an adventure tale out of it and have some fun. So I guess that does it. Um, so thank you so much for listening. If you had, if you have feelings about the story, please uh, write them below or send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I'll try to respond to as many comments as I'm able to on air or, or in the comments. But um, I guess I'll do it for now. So thanks again for listening and I'll, I'll see you next time. Possess my tired thoughts once more. That living dies, that living dies, that living dies.